Next on BYU Sports Nation, happy Pi Day. How does accountability for BYU's NCAA absences get divided up in the pie chart? Plus, what's your interest in BYU to the NIT? Plus, dual sport athletes. Who's the best in the history of BYU athletics? And does Caitlin Aldridge consider herself in that conversation? Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Now, from Studio B... Here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Station is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play back in Studio B after a week in Las Vegas. Presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Happy Thursday, March 14th, Pi Day. Wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with the man who loves a good slice of pecan pie, Jerem Jordan. I don't like uh, pecan pie. Pecan? I say that jokingly. Um... I like pie. Yeah, there was a guy named James Hobbs at my high school, and I've told this on the show before. He knew the first, I thought it was 50 digits of pie, confirmed with a high school friend of mine, um, just a friend of mine who I went to high school with, I guess. 100 digits. He knew the first 100 digits of pie. How long did it take him to memorize the 100 digits of pie? I believe I saw him in the Sao Paulo MTC as a missionary, the missionary training center. And I said, James Hobbs, rattle off the first 50 digits of pie. And he went 3.142968. He just went off, and I was like, yep, okay. Like, I think I walked out <laughs> while he was still saying the numbers. Hey, it was like, great to see you, oh, man. Hey, uh, sorry for asking. Just keep going. He's still going. Six, eight, four, three, seven, eight. See ya. All right, my guy. Hey, we had a new manifestation of the BYU Sports Nation karma, courtesy of Jason Shepard. So in Las Vegas. Well, like negative manifestation. It's a manifestation nonetheless. Not one we want. In Las Vegas, we jokingly said, hey, Lauren, we're not worried about you in Studio B, but we are worried about Jason Shepard ruining everything while we're gone. I wasn't joking. (laughs) I was serious. Sure enough, yesterday, while we are traveling back, or the travel day for BYU Sports Nation coming back from Las Vegas, Jason runs his chair off the back of the set, and knocks like 25 different pieces of memorabilia off of the set and down onto the floor. Interesting. (gasps) Well, well, well. What are the chances? (laughs) This has never happened, and then when we actually bring it up. Yeah, so Spuddy Buddy appears to be uh, bent over and uh, hunched over. Is he a casualty of the Jason Shepard effect? Yeah. Gonna have to prop him back up. (laughs) We'll take care of that. It was a rough weekend for Spotty Buddy. Every week is. (laughs) Good stuff. And thanks, Jason, for trying to clean up but not really putting everything back together. Here's today's show lineup Dual Sport Athletes on the Mind. Caitlin Aldridge has won five consecutive West Coast Conference championships, four in softball, and now one in basketball. She put out an Instagram post in October kind of alluding to the fact that she would win a fifth title, and it came to fruition 15 minutes away. We'll talk to her. Jason Shepard, well, he was able to collect himself after the big fall and to go one-on-one with Lopini Katoa in 40 minutes. How is he embracing the role as the elder statesman among the BYU running backs? He's the old guy? That's where we are. We now present today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. 
BYU football spring practice continues tonight. Practice number 7 of 15 for the Cougars, about the halfway point. Join us on the BYU TV Sports Facebook page at approximately 7.45 Eastern, 5.45 Mountain for post-practice interviews. Tonight, number 9 BYU men's volleyball, led by Gabby Garcia-Fernandez, hosts number 4 UCLA with Micah Ma'a and Kofi Jima at 9 Eastern on BYU TV and the app. This is a really big game for both. The Batcats welcome back the Gonzaga Bulldogs to Provo. This series was supposed to be in Spokane, but field conditions are such that it had to be moved to Provo to open up WCC play. BYU will work for a seventh consecutive win. Game starts at 8 Eastern, 6 Mountain. You can listen to the game live on BYU Radio. Number 14, BYU Gymnastics put up a 195-825 last night in Tempe against Arizona State and West Virginia, taking second. Tomorrow night, the Cougars host number 25 Southern Utah on BYU TV at 9 Eastern time. I remember when 195.825 was almost the season high for BYU Gymnastics. Now it's disappointing. Yes. Isn't that crazy how that has shifted so quickly? All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Jeremy, as of this morning, John Templin of SB Nation's Mid-Major Madness has BYU men's basketball in the field of 32 for the NIT as a seven seed, obviously playing on the road against a projected number two seed. I don't know that that's going to happen, but... Depending on how all of the conference tournaments shake out and how many automatic bids are given for the NIT, maybe BYU sneaks in. How would you feel about BYU making the NIT at this point? It'd be nice because I think we're kind of thinking uh, if BYU plays at all, it could be in the CBI if BYU wants to play in that tournament at all. I said uh, earlier this week I would think it'd be pathetic if BYU played in the CBI. Um, The NIT is respectable, right? You want to play in the NCAA tournament, but if not... The NIT. And we'll see how it plays out. I, I think it'd be uh, good, right? Obviously, it'd be good. It'd be nice to kind of uh, put in some Listerine, a.k.a. the NIT, compared to the uh, garbage that was Saturday against uh, San Diego. So it'd be nice. It'd be nice to see some guys develop, perhaps. Can Nick Emery be Nick Emery? Can Connor Harding kind of become the guy we hope he becomes a little bit, uh, get a little more run there? Um, it'd be on the road, so that'd be a challenge. But trying to get that 20th win, which has been a number of note for this program, obviously, winning 20-plus the last 13 years. Yoli Childs appeared to be injured in the San Diego game. Is he injured? Is he, is he if so, how is he? Um, you know, so there's some questions to be answered there. I would love for BYU to be in the NIT because it would give them the opportunity to win 20 games but potentially salvage something out of this season. And when you look back at each of the last two years, BYU was one and done in the NIT. Which is tough, right? Would a win in the NIT NIT make you feel better about this season overall? I won't address that until BYU actually makes it in that tournament. (laughs) We don't even know that they're in. I'm going to feel bad about the uh, season regardless, though, because it's the second time you've lost in the first game in the tourney. Um, it's also your Both first... Both to San sum- Diego, by the way. Yeah. And the the last time that happened, BYU went to the uh, semifinals of the NIT, by the way. 2013. So that was... Uh, BYU made a nice run after that, um, which was cool. But, yeah, there's... No, there's some real issues that need to be addressed and uh, taken care of. And I'm not sure that... Uh, you know, bowing out in the first round of the NIT or even winning a game would make me feel much better about it. I want Luke Worthington and McKay Cannon to have one more opportunity as seniors to play a basketball one game. One last ride. And if Yoli Childs ultimately opts to go, which we think he will, 
him to have one more chance to put on a BYU uniform and help Dave Rose get to 20 wins. He could always just walk into the Wilk with his BYU uniform, right? That could be his last. No. He could always just wander around there. But if BYU won a game in the NIT, <laughs> does that make this season better than the last two? Because no. they did not win a game in the NIT. No. BYU went to the uh, WCC title game last year. They lost in the quarters this year. I, I think uh, in, in this kind of league, if you lose in the quarters, that's a, a significant uh, black mark on your season. BYU did, did, BYU did finish in second in the league in the regular season to the team that beat Gonzaga, which is interesting, and beat said team. Okay, uh, so Mary's. why put so much emphasis on the game against well, San Diego? Well, it's 19 wins, and it's San Diego, and it's... If they got to 20 wins with the win in the NIT, would that make... Because you're a big proponent of it's how like you finish. I you're reaching for some like... I'm just saying, you're a big proponent. It's a big proponent of how you finish. You're, you, you have always mentioned that. If they win in the NIT... Well, you're not in the NCAA tournament, so it's not going to matter all that much. Like, if they went to the semifinals of the NIT or something, okay, now we're going to remember this season for something positive. As of right now, we're going to remember it for the 19 wins in, in, and San Diego. That's what we're going to remember. And that's unfortunate. There's been some uh, beating Utah, beating Utah State, beating St. Mary's. I would hope that those would be in the mix, too. Love for them to sneak in. Okay, today is March 14th, and that means it's National Pie Day. No, not pumpkin, cherry, or apple, but the 3.14 kind. Meanwhile, BYU Hoops sat in the NCAA tournament for the fourth straight season. It's longest drought of that long. It's awesome. uh, Yeah. In the last 20 years. So regarding pie and charts, how do you assign accountability uh, with BYU not making the NCAA tournament the last four seasons? The uncontrollables have played the largest role in my mind in why this has happened to BYU. More than the controllables? Yes. Oh, okay. Means, which means players that Dave Rose was hoping or expecting to be here are not here. You don't feel like there was some controllability there? You can't control a player. You can't control another individual and make them stay somewhere. I'm not saying make them, but you can't control it. That's the point. Like there it's black and white. You can't control. They make their own decisions regardless of how amazing of a coach you are, how happy they are, how unhappy they are. They still have to make their own decision for themselves. Sure. But there's you can't control control that. There's some controllability in influencing a person. You can influence to stay. But that's different than control. Influence is way different. Okay, use the word you want. I'm using the word I want, which is the uncontrollables. You cannot control someone else's life. And Eric Mika, Elijah Bryant, and now what is trending towards Yoli Childs, Dave wrote there's no way he was preparing for all three of those guys to be gone early if Yoli leaves. That, to me, is the biggest reason BYU has not made the NCAA tournament, because you lose your best players, the biggest parts of those respective teams, early. How do you bounce back from that and expect to get better than you have been in the past? That's really hard. What can you control in that situation, too, is what I would want to know. Like, I would love to ask Eric, Mika, Elijah Bryant, and probably Yoli Childs, what was it about the situation that made you want to leave? Like, what could BYU have done? What could Dave Rose and that staff have done, if anything? I would love to know that answer because therein lies the controllable. And it wasn't just those two and possibly three. It was Jake Toulson, WAC Player of the Year. It was Jordan Chapman, a guy that put up 30-plus in the ACC at Boston College a couple times. And it was Peyton Dastrup, a guy that would have been a starter on this team, I think, had he stayed. Yes. So it's... And all of those guys could have played on this team this year. That's an NCAA tournament team. In fact, 
about six years ago, all of us uh, in a delusion state thought that BYU could make a run at the Final Four. Now, obviously, that was probably a stretch. But to get to the NCAA tournament and win a couple games and replicate something that only happens once every 30 years at this school, which is make the Sweet 16, that would have been something special that uh, perhaps could have played out. I think player development is one. I'm wondering, um, you know, it's happening with some guys, with other guys perhaps not as much as we'd like to see. That's a a question I have. And then the fact that Gonzaga is the top five program now. Since BYU kicked Gonzaga's butt in the second round of the NCAA tournament in 2011, joined the West Coast Conference the next year, Gonzaga's in the top 25, 27% more of the time okay, than they were before. They've been ranked as high as number one for 12 weeks during the last seven years, and they've been a one or two seed in three of the last six years. This is the golden Gonzaga, age of Gonzaga basketball. It's not, it's not a coincidence that BYU comes in the league, Gonzaga goes, oh my gosh, we've got to raise our game, and they certainly have. BYU can only control so much, but that is an interesting conversation. And also the injuries. BYU offers scholarships to a bunch of different big guys, Ryan Andrus, Braden Shaw. I don't know that these guys would have made a huge difference, let's be honest. But you offer them, and they never, they don't pan out. They don't even play for the majority. They they come back from the missions and never even play. That's that's unfortunate, right? You can't control that. You can't control how uh, players' bodies... You control who you offer a scholarship to. Yes, but you can't control how their body will respond. Jerem, dual sport athletes are back on topic at BYU. And most recently, thanks to Caitlin Aldridge, who just won a fifth West Coast Conference title. Four in softball, now one in women's basketball, which has us thinking, where does she fall in the hierarchy of great dual sport athletes at BYU? In fact, who is the best dual sport athlete ever at Brigham Young University? Danny Ainge is the best. Now, he didn't play baseball at BYU, per se. But so does he was. that qualify? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. He was drafted by the Blue Jays, played in the majors. He also obviously played at Brigham, was the National Player of the Year in 81, and uh, played for the Celtics. He was also a high school All-American in football, baseball, and basketball. So <laughs> this guy is the greatest dual sport athlete of all time, hands down, at BYU. And there have been some really good ones. Danny Ainge, if you get drafted into the major leagues and then are an all-star in the NBA and win multiple championships. He wasn't just drafted. He played in the majors. Oh, I know. There are a lot of guys that never play. He was a guy for the Blue Jays. Uh, If I'm going women's side, I'm going to say Jen Hampson. Dual sport, all-American in basketball and volleyball. Sweet 16 and national title game. Uh, Now that's tough to do. Oh, yeah. Like, you did something. You didn't just play two sports. You you did something. She was an All-American in two different sports within a two-year period. That is unbelievable. And then helped her teams to some of the best seasons that they've had in their respective programs' histories. That's crazy. Shauna Robach should be in the conversation as well. All-time leading scorer in women's soccer. And then she took the silver medal in the bobsled in 06. It's legit. Time to hear from you, BYU Sports Nation. Who is the greatest dual sport athlete in BYU history and why? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. Nate Tolman answers on Facebook. My vote would be for Jen Hampson, West Coast Conference Player of the Year in both basketball, 2014, and volleyball, 2013, plus many other awards throughout her career in both sports. Hashtag amazing. Also, she was drafted into the WNBA and played professional volleyball overseas and basketball. Pretty good. That's quite a resume. She's great, man. 
The first family Great. of women's sports at BYU, as you say, Jerem, the Hampson family. Uh, sister Sarah is here. Brother Alan played on the men's team for a year. So, yeah, they're the, they're perhaps they're the first family of female yeah. athletes. Yeah. I think first family yeah. of women's sports. Yeah, you bet. Coming up, she called her shot in October and completed it Tuesday afternoon. Five West Coast Conference titles. Kaylin Aldridge joins us in studio next. How did she go from softball champ and a handstand in the dugout? to basketball champ and cutting down the nets in Las Vegas. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Tonight, number nine, BYU men's volleyball led by Gabby Garcia-Fernandez, host number four UCLA with Micah Ma'a and Kofi Jimma. Tonight, 9 Eastern on BYU TV and the app. Utah doesn't compete in men's volleyball. This is the rivalry for men's volleyball. Live from Studio B on a game day for volleyball and baseball with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Listen to the show on demand by downloading the BYU Sports Nation podcast. You can always watch it, BYUSN.com. Our question of the day, who is the greatest dual sport athlete in BYU sports history and why? At 2 Shrevelicious answers on Twitter. Caitlin... Larson Aldridge has to be in this conversation. Five championships between softball and basketball. Jen Hampson as well helped lead BYU women's basketball to the Sweet 16 and BYU women's volleyball to the national championship match. Hashtag BYUSN. That's the thing with Caitlin is she wasn't just on the team. She was a starter at the end of the year. How about that? (laughs) What a run. Impressive. What a run. And speaking of Caitlin, she joins us now in Studio B. Crazy. One of our great dual sport athletes. What's up? Hey, guys. How you doing? (laughs) Good. Uh, Good, but not as good as you. (laughs) I'm doing pretty good. (laughs) It's been a good week, right? You leave the court at the Orleans Arena in Las Vegas, Mm -hmm. the uh, seconds winding down, and you flash a five (laughs) into the stands. Now, that had significant meaning because that means five West Coast Conference championships, four in softball, one in basketball, and uh, you, you called this in October. Yeah. How did it feel when it came to fruition? It was a great feeling. I was so pumped when Judd called me out that last time to get some high, like high fives from the bench and everything. It was, I don't even know how to explain it. It was seriously so crazy. And you have five ranks because you're married too. Yeah, right. Six so now. six now. Yeah, yeah. Which is <laughs> which is one more ring than Jennifer Lopez. She's been engaged five <laughs> times, right? So you have as many as Tom Brady now. Um, Describe to us when you thought, hey, what if I played basketball? Like, what was this process like? Because we know you as a softball player, right? right? Four four titles, Mm -hmm. West Coast Conference Player of the Year. You were awesome. So when were you like, hey, I didn't redshirt, so maybe I could play another sport? Yeah. Um, It was like, it was always kind of a joke in, like, high school. Like, my family would always joke, like, you should play both at college. And, like, I was just like, no, like, I'm going to choose one. Like, that's crazy. But then my, like, junior year and end of my senior year or middle, I went to Brian Santiago and I was like, what are the odds that they would even give me a chance? And he's like, I mean, I could talk to him. And so he did. He got me in contact with Dan Nielsen. And they remembered me from high school and having played and had, like, a decent high school career. And they said that I could try out. And so that's what I did. So when did you try out? Uh, June. It was two weeks after we lost out of the NCAAs for softball. And you did you feel like you did really well in that moment? Or did, when did you find out you it made was it? Like, it wasn't like a, here's a try. I was kind of just go play pickup with the girls and we'll see like what the feedback is and stuff like that. And after just two days, they said they rostered me. So Wow, <laughs> it took all of two days. <laughs> okay, how much basketball were you playing leading up to that? Not a ton. Like just here and there with 
like my husband had played in high school, so we get with our friends sometimes and go to like the church and play yep. or like the rec. But I hadn't played a serious game of basketball since I lost out my senior year of high school. Wow. So so you make it two days later. Are you like thrilled? Are you nervous? What what are you feeling? I was super excited. I was like really going into it, I was like, I'll take whatever they give me, but I really just want to learn. Like I had to be here for another year because it was going to take me five years to graduate because I wasn't able to take some classes during the softball season. What, were and, you busy or something? Yeah, I was just a little busy. <laughs> <laughs> but And so when they like gave me the opportunity, I was like, that's great. It'll fill my time. I have a year to graduate, and I can learn something. And like maybe, maybe I can turn it into something. But I was just there to learn and have fun, and I was really lucky, I guess. Wow. It's one thing to make the team and be rostered. Like, wow, that's impressive. It's another thing to start <laughs> – in the West Coast Conference tournament and championship game and contribute the way that you did. When did you start to think, hey, I, I might actually be able to make a difference for this team? It was probably like September or October-ish time when I finally started feeling like I remembered how to play basketball. It took me a while to feel like normal again in basketball. And I was talking to one of the coaches and I just asked, I was like, I can tell that, like, I'm not on, like, a complete lower level than these people, but, like, what is it going to take for me to have the possibility to play? And he was completely shaming. He's like, well, you're a walk-on, so it'll be hard. And I was like, I get that. And he's like, we just need somebody that can defend. You can't be a liability out there. And so that's what I did. I From that day forward, I was like, okay, I'm going to play defense. And that's really what put me on the court is my defense. So you found your role, which is yeah. important, I think, in athletics. A lot of people think, I want to be the leading scorer. I want to be the star. Like, you can still be on the team and mm-hmm. have a role. And, that, and that's important. You yeah. found, I guess, value in your role as well. Yeah. And you didn't have to shoot a ton. But at Gonzaga, you shot a little <laughs> bit earlier. Didn't you make a couple threes yeah. early in that game? Yeah, a couple. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So describe to us, too, with this guard line, which we uh, found out uh, Shaylee Gonzalez said, we call ourselves the Splash yep. Sisters. Uh-huh. I want to say Sisters, just to add a little bit there. But you, you fit into that because Bioy goes small. You're this right. fourth guard on the court. Mm-hmm. So how did you make sure that you blended into that mix? Because they're going to they're gonna launch those threes, right? Right, yeah. So they had already proven that they deserve to be on the court. And so when I started playing, my job was to get them open. And in doing so, it gets me open. You know, when you set a hard screen, they get open. But a lot of the time, you get open, too. So that's kind of just what I – I knew I was small, so I'm not going to go post up these six-foot-something girls. And so I just screen away and pop all the time. That's my job. So You remind me of the way that Ashley Garfield played mm-hmm. basketball at BYU. So having her as a coach on this staff, how has that helped you kind of implement as a smaller forward yeah. in this lineup? She's actually helped me a lot. She's talked to me a lot about how, like, it really is just heart. Like, you can't look at them and be intimidated. Like, you know how strong you are. And, like, play to your strengths. Make the fours have to run the court a lot because they'll get tired. And push around, don't get pushed around, and stuff like that. And it's actually been really nice to have her have that experience for me. Describe to us what it's like to beat Gonzaga three times. <laughs> and, and obviously there were some major injuries there in that last yeah. game. But they, they had to play regardless. Mm-hmm. You guys beat them three times. Yeah. And they were in the top 13 all three. You know, it's really fun because, like, when I was on the softball team, we had beat some top 25 teams before. And, like, beating them once with softball, it's like, whoa. But we had to play these guys three times, which is, like, when you're looking at that, you're like, whew, like three times. But when we won the first time in, like, last second, won the second time in, like, a pretty good, like, ending, but then just, like, kind of bloom out this last time, it's just, like, it just goes to show how good of a team we actually are and that we can be in the top 25. 
How are your nerves on the basketball court compared to on the hot corner playing third base <laughs> in softball? It's a lot. I got a lot more nerves in softball because the pace is slower and the pressure is all on you. Like when you're in the batter's box, it's you. But with the basketball, it's like right before the game, I'm a little nervous. But then when it starts, like it's so high intensity that that kind of goes away. So I would say I was probably more nervous with softball than I ever was with basketball. Just different. Yeah, it's one on nine. It's like yeah. a weird deal. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. Uh, it's sort of one on one, but one on nine. Yeah. Um, at a minimum, this was going to be a free trip to Europe, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, right? Liter- I literally that you said really that. You play basketball. You, you make the team in June. You're like, sweet, I'm going to like yeah. Vienna, right? Uh-huh. Um, but it turned into more than that, mm-hmm. uh, more than that. So how do you kind of? And it's not over. You go yeah. to the NCAA tournament. You'll find out Monday. Yeah. Um, how would you uh, summarize kind of this whole experience? Because you've had some incredible memories in one year. Yeah, for sure. Like you said, I literally had said that before. Like when we went to Europe, I was like, hey, if I never play it, that was worth it. That trip <laughs> was awesome. But I don't know. It's like, I don't even know how to summarize it. It's been just like amazing to be with these girls and be with this team. Because at one point I was really nervous to join the team because I was like, what if I was them? And this girl just was like, yeah, I can play. I'd be like, you can play? like, <laughs> But they've been so nice and so welcoming. So it seriously has just been like a straight uphill ride the whole time. It's been so amazing. Do you have any eligibility left in any other women's yeah, sports? Can you, play, can you play libero in volleyball or something, <laughs> outside hitter? Yeah. I don't think they want me. <laughs> and so what's the next thing for you? Graduate in April? Mm-hmm. Yep, I'll graduate in April and... I'm doing broadcast journalism, so... Yeah, you are. Yep, so you guys could hire me if you'd like. No, just kidding. Okay, okay. (laughs) But just, yeah, hopefully find a career and go from there. What do you want to do with broadcast journalism? You want to be on... You want to be in front of the camera or behind? Um, I'm... Let's talk about it on air. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) that's scary. Just kidding. (laughs) Um, I would like to be a talent on the show. You know the word already. Yeah, (laughs) but I would like to produce as well. I'm kind of open to anything. I've been so busy with sports that I... I haven't got put into that world quite yeah, yet, but yeah. hopefully that happens. Yeah, let's chat. Yeah. Well, at some real. point when you stop playing and yeah. you want to talk about others playing sports, uh-huh. then, uh, yeah, that, that's a conversation for sure. Here's what yeah. happens. We're not good enough, so now we talk about it. <laughs> yeah. You are good enough. You are still playing, which is great. Yeah. yeah. Do you miss softball? Do you watch it at all? Yeah, I miss it a lot. And I've talked to a few of the girls and the coaches throughout the season so far in I really do miss the dirt, and I miss my glove, and I miss hitting, and there's nothing like hitting a home run. That feeling is... But basketball has been able to keep my mind off it, which is really good. I think I'd be struggling a little bit more if I hadn't have played basketball. If you're just a student walking around. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you hit a proverbial home run with your team in Las Vegas (laughs) winning the West Coast Conference Championship. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. Congratulations again. Let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma for the approaching seeding and NCAA tournament. Yeah, you're going to be playing next uh, Saturday. Yep. So we'll find out where. Yeah, I'm super excited. Hopefully it's like a six seed, you know, seven, eight. We'll see. Yeah, for real. Oh, what seed do you want, by the way? I, do you have a preference? No. I've, I'm go. new to the whole basketball thing, so <laughs> I'm like, I watched like, the tournament, but I was like, um, um, yeah, I was like, it's not a tournament of four, what? Okay. It's but, not double elimination? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not picky. I think we can beat almost anybody, so. Excited to watch it. Love the confidence. Yeah. Thanks, Caitlin. And I think Thank we've you. had you sign this yes, particular she, flag already, right? We had you in at some point in the last. one. No? You haven't signed the Sailor Coog? Hey, I don't think so. Well, she might have signed it as a softball player. Let's, oh, get the sure. Let's get the basketball. You need a number version. twelve up there instead of a yeah. number eighteen. Okay. Why twelve, right. by the way? Make it happen. Okay. Were you twelve in softball? I was eighteen in softball. So why twelve in basketball? 
Because you can't be 18 in basketball. Hmm. Yeah, you have to be, you have to you be, have to be have one, uh, under one, five. Right. five. Yeah. So 12 was the next best thing. Yep. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I was in high school. So. Okay. Awesome. Thanks, Caitlin. Thank you. And John Stockton, right? <laughs> and you played against uh, the daughter, Laura. Okay, coming up, Jason Shepard goes one-on-one with running back Lopini Katoa. Does he think the running back position is still a question mark for this team? Plus, Jimmer Fredette wraps up his regular season in China. Ho-hum as the leading scorer. Details on that. They're headed to the playoffs. Or was he? This is BYU Sports Nation. It's senior night for the 14th-ranked BYU gymnastics team. Tomorrow as they host 25th-ranked Southern Utah. They are the Flippin' Birds. That's no joke. Watch it on BYU TV and the app at 9 Eastern Time. If you missed the headlines off the top of the show, good news. We're about to roll those out again. Spring practice for BYU football continues tonight. In fact, it is practice number 7 of 15, about at the halfway point for the Cougars and head coach Kalani Satake. Join us on the BYU TV Sports Facebook page at approximately 7.45 Eastern for post-practice interviews. Tonight, number nine, BYU men's volleyball plays number four UCLA. This is a big-time match. Watch it tonight, 9 Eastern on BYU TV and the app. The BYU baseball Batcats welcome Gonzaga today to open up West Coast Conference play. This was supposed to be in Spokane, but weather up there, not conducive to baseball. So bring them to the heated field in Provo. Cougars working on a seventh consecutive win. Game starts at 8 Eastern, 6 Mountain. You can listen to the game live on BYU Radio. And as mentioned, number 14 gymnastics uh, will play Southern Utah tomorrow. But last night they competed in Tempe, throwing up a 195-825 against Arizona State and West Virginia. They took second. Top 25 matchup tomorrow on BYU TV. Let's throw in another headline, Jerem. Jimmer Fredette wraps up regular season play for the Shanghai Sharks with a win. He scored 32 points, which brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Jimmer Fredette averaged 36.4 points per game this season for the Shanghai Sharks. 36.4. Which was third in the league. Of course, leading his team, Jimmer and the Sharks now advance to the CBA playoffs. This was a bottom-dweller team before Jimmer Fredette arrived. Now they're going to the playoffs on the regular. It's good. Yeah. it's They're, they're owned by, uh, by Yao Ming as well, right? Yes. In Zhanghai, or however they say it. Jimmer's got some uh, sponsorships, making some dough. Awesome. This is the last year He's of his, his contract. Best Chinese life. This is the last year of his contract. So this is an interesting offseason for him. So could he make it in the NBA? Oh, just saying, like, he, he will explore. He has said as much on multiple occasions on this show that yeah. he will explore. If it hasn't happened up until now, it, it ain't happening, I don't think. But he's made the best of other situations. There's uh, money to be had. It's not always in the U.S. A lot of money to be made. Ask the, Eric Mika and Elijah Bryan. They're seeking those opportunities elsewhere. Good luck to Jimmer and the Sharks in the playoffs. Of course, we'll have details for you as those games continue. Our question of the day who is the greatest dual sport athlete in BYU history and why? At Vilisi64 answers on Instagram. Paul Lasique. Mm, he plays for the one. U.S. national rugby team. He is literally a world class athlete in one of the toughest sports on earth. And he was a stud at uh, BYU as a football player in 2013, scored touchdowns against Texas. Big runs against Notre Dame. Yeah. It was no, fun to watch him. He's playing professional rugby in England as well. So he plays for the USA Eagles uh, internationally. But he's also a pro in England. And that, he did that's play for the Utah deal. Warriors of Major League Rugby. And he was so good, he got a contract in Europe, which is dope. 
Verlin Yowd answers on Facebook, there are some good ones, but hard to beat Danny Ainge playing BYU basketball and Major League Baseball at the same time. Holy cow. Hashtag BYUSN Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, this just in from our guy John Templin. We mentioned him earlier that he has BYU as the seventh seed in the NIT, SB Nation mid-major madness rider, an explanation as to why he has BYU in his NIT bracket. From at NY Buckets, John Templin. I think BYU's resume is a hair better than Colorado or Butler right now, and the automatic bids haven't all been handed out. BYU is my second to last at large in the field. Utah Valley is the last. Makes you a little nervous, though, because a lot's going to play out in the next you know, couple days. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then selection day that later that evening. BYU fans are rooting before things have happened. So just and just to note, you get an NIT auto bid if you're the regular season champ of a league, and yes. you don't get into the NCAA yes. tournament. So like Gonzaga was, the, they get in obviously to the NCAA. Tournament. As long as they're both but getting it, into the NCAA tournament, it doesn't matter, right? But a team like say Utah State or whatever, they're going to get in. Nevada, they're going to get in. So you you have to look at kind of you want the. Small uh, conference you, number one seeds to win their tournaments is what you want. Yes, and then you want uh, you know bids to be stolen um, by teams that would have been in the NIT by winning their leagues. St. Mary's actually tournament. opens up a spot in right. the NIT exactly. because they're in the NCAA tournament Unbelievable, now. by the way. Yeah. That Un- actually helps BYU's NIT chances that the Gales won the auto bid. Yeah, it helps by one team. And uh, you know that would be nice for BYU to be in that tournament. I still can't get over the fact that St. Mary's lost by 48 in Spokane. They lost by 48 and then hold Gonzaga to 47 total points. Great coaching. Great execution. In the championship game. Unbelievable, man. They lost by more than they held Gonzaga to in the final game. I was on my way out of Vegas at that point. That's the first WCC title game I haven't watched in person in the last nine years. And it's the greatest one. And I missed it. (laughs) I How do you feel blizzard, about it? But I missed the blizzard that was St. Mary's as well. Well, you could have stayed because I missed the blizzard yesterday, too. We just left a little bit later. Yeah. Oh, I know. Your your car was in my parking lot for a long time. When, it was like, when's Spencer getting back? I was like, I don't know. 8.30? Yeah. <laughs> I was back at 2 a.m. the day before. Hey, you made it. I'm glad you made it safely. Yeah, crazy. Um, in a non-BYU sports note, and this is of a more serious nature, we want to send our love and thoughts to... The Zags, and specifically to the women's basketball program, um, rough week for their head coach, Lisa Fortier. I, I don't know if some of you heard, but during the game, she had to leave the game in the fourth quarter against BYU. The title game. Because of a family-related emergency. And when you leave in the title game of the fourth quarter, you have to know that something significant is happening. Fortier and her husband, assistant coach Craig Fortier, both left. Uh, And news came out yesterday that uh, her brother Hayden had passed away due to complications from muscular dystrophy. So uh, a really, really tough time for Lisa Fortier. We wish her the best. The Zags are going to make the NCAA tournament probably Mm -hmm. as a five seed. They have an outstanding program. She's such a good person and such a good basketball coach. And I know Jeff Judkins has the highest respect for her. Like she is, she is one of my favorite people on the West coast conference. Yeah. She's, she's a class act and it was hard enough. um, And, and, and death is certainly the the worst news that has come out this week, and and it's sad to hear that there were season-ending injuries to notable players, and you lose the title game. Those you know, dim in comparison to this, but it has been a rough week for uh, Gonzaga women's hoops. But um, you know, 
best of luck to them in the NCAA tournament. And uh, obviously a, a lot of love sent because death is hard to deal with. Sure. So absolutely. It's been a hard week for the Zags. Yeah. So a rise and shout to uh, Lisa Fortier, Godzaga Women's Bulldogs, uh, for pushing through and, and being a great example of strength. We'll be back with more on BYU Sports Nation right after this. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. The 12-3 and BYU baseball team begins West Coast Conference play tonight as they host the Gonzaga Bulldogs at Miller Park. Batcats looking to extend their win streak to seven games. Listen to it at 8 Eastern on BYU Radio. If BYU wins this series, they might start to get a little bit of recognition nationally and get some votes in that D1Baseball.com poll. Gonzaga's, Gonzaga's really yes, good. Yes, Gonzaga's a good yeah. baseball program. In fact, they had a player named Marco Gonzalez a few years ago who is the Mariners' day one starter now, which it's like, hey, they produce some Whoa. good players. Yeah. They got some dudes. They always have good pitchers. Every year, Gonzaga produces elite pitchers. It's kind of that pipeline. Anyway, big series for BYU baseball, of course. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation with our question of the day. Who is the greatest dual sport athlete in BYU history and why? At YFangirl underscore JB says, Taysom Hill could play whatever sport he wanted. And have you heard about his golf game? Yeah, we hear about his golf game from uh, his brother-in-law, David Nixon, all the time. And, and remember the That's the because he's taking softball. David to school all the time. He's taking the David's money probably, too. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the charity softball game with the Green Bay Packers. Remember where Taysom Hill went yard? We're like, whoa. Whoa. Yeah, tremendous athlete, of course. Absolutely. I wonder what sport he would choose to play if he could play another at BYU. It's a good question. Like, I, I don't know. If, he was like an all-conference much, player in high school basketball. Was he? What's funny is he was the kicker on his high school team, too. I don't know if everyone realized that, that Taysom Hill was a kicker in high school as well. You would like, think he, he could run he track. He would kick PATs and field goals. You would think he could run track well at BYU. Yeah, sprinter. He'd be perfect 100-200 guy. Oh, man. Oh, the like, four and by those, one. And those relays? <laughs> and he's by far the biggest dude out there. Like, oh, man, that'd be unbelievable. Scott Sanders on Facebook. Clearly it's Danny Ainge. Played third base for the Toronto Blue Jays and shooting guard for the Boston Celtics. This is not close. Yeah, I, I don't think it's close. I think there have been some great ones, as we outlined. Jennifer Hampson, Shauna Robach, and many others. This is all in the spirit of Caitlin Aldridge and, of course, Jaron Hall. We'll see if Jaron Hall becomes the starting quarterback at some point, perhaps. Uh, and in baseball, he... Mike Littlewood thinks he could play professional baseball if he wanted. Yeah, I like that you bring up Shauna Robach because she's a little bit off the radar because, because she's uh, it's been so long. The Olympic sports and it has been a long time, but she basically hit the pinnacle in both of her a, sports. She won a silver medal in bobsled, and she was the all-time leading scorer in soccer here. So. Like she had awesome. crazy numbers as a soccer player. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Hashtag BYUSN Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Jason Shepard, fresh off destroying the BYU Sports Nation set in Trying Studio to B. Destroy an interview. He's <laughs> taking that destructive mindset into a one on one with Lopini Katoa, who is the elder statesman of the BYU running backs now. BYU Sports Nation all access. Shep Dizzle with Lopini Katoa. Lopini, I thought you guys at least would have had one outdoor practice before today, but you were telling me this is the very first outside practice you guys have had of spring. How nice was it to be outside? It's nice. It was a great day. I mean, obviously the weather hasn't been hasn't been great, so it's nice to be out in the sun on, on real grass. So it was a good day. It was a different energy today's practice. In terms of energy, what, what do you mean? What type of uh, what type of energy does it add just being outside? 
Uh, honestly, it's just it's a little different than the indoor practices. I, I think I don't know what it is. It's just something about being out in you know on the grass and and the music blasting, and it's it's just a different feel outside. It was a good day. Do you guys as players get an opportunity to chime in on the music that's played, or is that still held by the coaches? I don't personally, so I don't know who's choosing it. I mean, I don't. I think uh, AJ Middleton, our our strength coach, is kind of the DJ. So you got to take up your request with him. I think. So now, if you had the opportunity though to be in charge of the playlist, oh, any man. any type, any specific group, any type of music that you'd be playing out here? Man, I don't. I'm not arguing with the ones we got. He he he. <laughs> He switches it up, you know, he, he'll go from hip-hop to rock and whatever, keep everybody happy, so you know, I like what we get. <laughs> so you mentioned the energy today, beginning week two of spring ball. Overall, for the team, how do you think it's gone so far? I think it's gone really well, especially looking back to last spring where we were kind of a little, like, scrambling a little bit with the new coaching staff, like, to see where we are right now, that we're just, you know, ironing things out instead of installing a whole new offense. It's It's a... It's a lot, a lot better than when we were at last spring. For you personally, is that does that stand true in terms of having a year under your belt coming into this spring? You feel much more comfortable as well. Yeah, for sure. I feel a lot more confident in in our scheme and in my responsibility. You know what I'm supposed to do. Um, last spring was super stressful. Like, I I don't know how many mistakes I made last spring, but to see where we're at now, me personally as well, like I feel a lot more confident with where I'm at. Coach Satake was talking about how he's looking for guys maybe to be a little more vocal in terms of being a leader. Is that something that you've embraced yourself? Yeah, for sure. I I know Coach, Coach Stewart looks to me and, and he expects me to take take charge in different things and, and all the backs to be vocal. Like That's just something that we're not – like in our room alone, like he's always calling on people to – to teach us how to run plays, and so we're all expected to coach in our room, so it's nice to have that standard. Well, and Coach Satake also mentioned that you're in one of those positions that like Squally was last year, where you got a lot of younger guys underneath you that look up to you. I mean, what type yeah. of responsibility does that feel like to you? Um, it's, I mean, I like it. It's Sometimes I can't answer all the questions perfectly, but... You know, I just I'm trying to just help them just because I know how they're feeling. It's a it's awful feeling to to not know the plays when you're in, and so I'm trying to you know spend the time to help them to to get to where you know I know they can be if they're confident with the plays. What is the running back room like? What kind of personalities do you guys have in there? Do you, you have like the funny one, the serious one. I mean, what what's this group like? Um, everybody's kind of like everybody's pretty funny and like pretty relaxed. It's like well. I think our personalities come out mostly in the weight room when we're competing against each other, just joking around. Because when, right when we hit our meeting room with Coach Stewart, it's kind of his like, his deal. Like everybody's just, you know, just listening to him, and we talk when we're spoken to, and that's about it. So who's uh, who's dominating the weight room out of the uh, the running backs room? I mean, I'm going to assume since I'm talking to you, you're going to say you, right? In my mind, I think I am, but maybe no. Everybody's really strong. Like Tyler, Morgan, Kavika, they're all really strong when we work out together. You mentioned that with a year under your belt, you come in and you have a little bit more confidence. You know, you know a little bit more what to expect. Everybody comes into spring with kind of their own idea of what they want to accomplish. What's your goal that you want to accomplish in spring? Uh, the biggest thing was uh, initially was to make sure that you know I was reliable and also, like you mentioned earlier, with the running backs, getting them on because we saw what you know happened last year with the running backs but just making sure that I was helping people around me and then also just being able to be reliable every down back um you know that not to not have a play on the field that I can't do you know so that's what I'm, I'm at with spring 
there are have been been talk about maybe the running backs still being somewhat in flux, not really knowing kind of what to expect. How do you respond to that as as one of the guys that's probably going to anchor this running back staff? Yeah, I feel I feel fine. I feel confident in who we have. I think that a lot of the guys who haven't really been on the field that much will surprise a lot of people um, with their performance. Um, you know, Kavika before he got hurt, he he ran the ball really well um, a couple seasons back. He'll do great. Tyler has done great. Um, Morgan, like, there's there's a ton of guys that are there. And, and the biggest thing is that they're hungry. And so they're just improving every single day. What do you expect over the next couple of weeks? Where do you think this offense is trending to right now? Um, I feel like we're going to be really fast-paced and score a lot of points. Um, we're pushing the tempo every day. And and the more plays you run, the more opportunities you have to score. So I think that's where we're, where we're headed towards right now. Well, and that's what we saw towards the end of last year. And obviously there was a little bit of a change. The offense didn't change. And, and um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where Coach Grimes says the offense is the same. We just yeah. had different things within the offense that maybe we used more because we had a different quarterback. But the points were getting put up towards the end of last year, and you guys were scoring more and more. Is that something that you guys feel like when it does come time for games to be played, you can pick up right where you left off? Definitely. That's the, that's for sure the goal. Like we saw, I mean, the last game of the season was great. Second half, they, the offense took off, and that's exactly what we're going like, to pick up on, just keep on scoring points. And already our tempo is way faster than we were at from last season, so it's, it's, going, it's trending upward, I feel like. What's this like with with the quarterbacks? Obviously, with Zach out, that's a little different. But I know Jaron is playing at a high level, and Joe. And I mean, there's it's like 80 quarterbacks. It yeah. seems like on the roster. What are these quarterbacks like? Um, it's it's interesting to be able to get a feel for each of them. Um, but I feel that it's it's a great opportunity for a lot of guys to, to you know spread their wings, to shine, to to show what they can do. And I feel like a lot of them have stepped up to the plate and. Um, it's good to to just get comfortable with with more than just Zach, you know. Like right. it's it's good. So just last thing, how how nice is it to just be out playing football? Right. I mean, it's March, but we're talking about college football right now. Yeah, it's great. It's a fun time. It's it's a great time to learn right now. Like there's you don't have the stress of all right, who we're playing this next week. Um, but it's just nice to be able to learn and just have fun out, outside every day. Definitely is. It's always a, it's always a good time to talk college football. Thanks, Lopini, for the time. Appreciate Thank it. You. Appreciate it. Limited destruction. Nicely done, Jason Shepard with Lopini Catella. Sounds like BYU's going uh, up-tempo. Lopini mentioned that several times. We know that BYU visited Dan Hawkins and UC Davis, uh, who puts up a bunch of points and runs a high tempo. So we'll see if BYU uh, schematically stays the same, but just runs it at a higher pace now. How will that high-tempo offense work against a pretty good Utah defense coming back in how many days? Countdown to the youths. 168. 168. We're out of the 170s, so it's not okay. as difficult when the countdown starts in terms of hitting the syncopation. Yeah, that's important, but not as important as the number. <laughs> Coming up, Jimmer wraps up his regular season in China, and another Cougar reps the red, white, and blue. The whip is dead. Plus, happy birthday to one of the most successful coaches on campus. Get him a piece of pie on Pie Day, or her. Who is it? This is BYU Sports Nation. Oh, snap. Shout out to today's guest, dual sport athlete, five-time WCC champion, softball star, basketball forward, Caitlin Aldridge. If you missed any of it, download the podcast. Go to BYUSN.com to watch full episodes. We didn't have time for Dennis Pitta. Shocking. Let's go to the whip. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Football. Spring ball continues tonight. Practice number 7 of 15 for the Cougars. Join us on BYU TV Sports Facebook page around 745 Eastern for post-practice interviews. Volleyball. The BYU men host a massive rivalry match tonight against fourth-ranked UCLA in the Smithfield House. All night. 
Watch the Cougars live at 9 p.m. Eastern with Jerem Jordan, Steve Vail, and Lauren McLean on the call for BYU TV. And women's volleyball player Kennedy Eschenberg has been named to the women's collegiate national team for the World University Games. Free trip to Italy in July. There's a temple there now. Baseball. The Batcats host Gonzaga to open up West Coast Conference play this season. Game one of a three-game weekend series starts at 8 Eastern, 6 Mountain. Listen to the game live on BYU Radio. Gymnastics. Number 14, Brigham put up a 195-825 last night in Tempe against Arizona State and West Virginia, taking second. Tomorrow night, the Cougars host number 25, Southern Utah, on BYU TV, 9 Eastern. Swimming and diving. The BYU dive team's completing postseason competition yesterday at the NCAA Zoni Championships. Adia London tied or led the women, rather, finishing 15th in the platform finals. On the men's side, Bryce Farabee earned a career-best 299.95 in the finals for the one-meter, good for seventh place. Softball. Cougars play number six, Tennessee and Knoxville today, 5.30 Eastern time as part of the Tennessee invite. Perhaps it's a preview of the football matchup on September 7th. Today's rise and shout-outs go to number one, Wasatch Academy, a prep basketball team from Mount Pleasant, Utah, featuring BYU commit Bernardo Da Silva. They'll play in the Geico National Championship Tournament April 4th through the 6th on ESPN. So everyone's got a chance to watch Da Silva before he gets to campus and uh, enters into the fold of head coach Dave Rose. My rise and shout-out goes to Sean Olmstead. Happy 41st birthday. Let's go, Sean. Sean. I didn't know he was that young. That's fantastic. The last four seasons that he has coached a volleyball team, the women's team went to the national title match. The men te- men's team went to two national title matches in a row. And then last year they went to the final four. He is the most underrated coach in volleyball today. Oh, he's I fantastic. You, I thought you were going to say history. In volleyball history. Well, he's really good. I know that. <laughs> no question. Happy birthday, Sean. Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort celebrating 50 years. Who's the greatest dual sport athlete in BYU history? At JLinahan9, Johnny Linehan on Twitter says, Me, I'm biased. Okay, how did that, you know what? How did that get in? Conversation <laughs> continues 24 7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use the hashtag BYUSA. For Jeremiah Spencer, shout out to Ryan Hancock, who was a BYU quarterback yeah. and played in the major leagues. Oh, that's a great one. Go Kooks. We'll see you tonight. Yes, Miss Fieldhouse. Beat UCLA, oh, man. Oh, yeah. Come on.